Go please to 1 Corinthians, the sixth chapter. We began on a series a few weeks ago, I think this is part four, about the temple of the Holy Spirit. And uh, the scripture says more than once that we are the temple of the Holy Spirit and that our body is the temple of the Holy Spirit. The Lord wanted us to know that. He emphasized that to us. And the passage that we're, our main passage is right here in 1 Corinthians, the sixth chapter. I'm reading this out of the NIV today. NIV, beginning in verse 9. The reason I start in verse 9 is because prior to that, 1 to 8, he was talking about not suing your fellow believer. (laughs) And that goes all the way up to verse 8. Then in verse 9, he starts talking, putting a lot of emphasis on your body, what you do or don't do with your body. And he starts by saying here, do you not know? And he says that more than once, don't you know? Don't you know that wrongdoers, actually the word in King James is the the unrighteous, or we could say it like this, the not right. Now righteous is an old English King James word. We don't use that word so much anymore. But it just means right. Right or rightness. And um, is there right and wrong? Now, I know that's a simple question, and you said yes, and you're right. But in the world we live in, people are ambiguous with their answers about that. And especially when you start talking about, well, what determines what's right and wrong. Then you'll even hear people begin to talk about, well, that's your truth. And I have to go with my truth and be true to myself. And that implies that truth is relative and that there is no absolute truth. And that's, you know, what's right, what's wrong, what's what's true. And you have to come back to what you're basing it on. And that phrase, when people say, well, you know, that's your truth. And this is my truth. Well, what they're saying is, truth for me is whatever I say it is. (laughs) But as believers, we can't accept that. I said, no, you don't have to try to make somebody else believe or do something else. But for you, you, you can't accept that because Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes to the Father except by me. And the scripture said, thy word is truth. Truth. There is absolute truth. Hallelujah. That truth is the word. That truth is Jesus. The word made flesh and dwelt among us. Oh, I could preach in here today. Because the truth 
will make you free. Brother. Sister. But you toy around and muddle around with this my truth, your truth stuff. You'll be bound next time we see you. (laughs) How'd we get over there? (laughs) He said, do you not know that the unrighteous will not inherit the kingdom of God? Do not be deceived. Neither the sexually immoral, or the King James says fornicators, nor idolaters, nor adulterers, nor men who have sex with men, keep going, nor thieves, nor the greedy, nor drunkards, nor slanderers, nor swindlers will inherit the kingdom of God. Now this is not the only place you see this statement. But we, you got to watch about taking a phrase and jumping to a conclusion. And you got to watch about changing the words. Because sometimes people will read something like that and then they say, well, see, then that means if uh, you're a drunkard, you'll be lost. Well, that's not what he said. Is everybody awake? Or any of these other things, you know, greedy or swindler or thief or adulterer, any of these other things. Somebody said, well, well, won't all those folks that do that be lost? Well, the thing that saves you is not your perfect performance. It's your faith in what Jesus has done for you. Isn't it? Let me read some other accounts of this. Let's see. Go with me to Galatians 5, if you would. Galatians 5 and 19. Here in this passage, he contrasts the fruit of the Spirit from the works of the flesh. And in Galatians 5, 19, he said, now the works of the flesh are manifest, or they're they're obvious, and these are adultery and fornication. Now, We need to define that because he talks more about these two things in our text passage. That was one of the main things he was talking to them about, about not being involved in fornication. Fornication is having sex with people you're not in covenant with. That would include premarital sex, sex with somebody. Marriage is supposed to be a covenant. And uh, adultery is having sex with people who are already in covenant. But you're, you know, somebody had an affair with somebody that was already married. But it is sex outside of covenant. And so many of the problems that arise in unwanted pregnancies, all kind of things, comes from sex outside a covenant. Because the only people who should have sex is a man and a woman who have entered into covenant with each other before God. That then gives the foundation for a family. And, you know, would God that every child could be born into 
a home where they were loved and people were committed to them. It just solves so many issues and problems. But you'll hear people saying adamantly, well, it's my body. And if two consenting adults want to do something, what business is it of anybody else? Well, hey, you can do whatever you want. That's obvious. But is there right and wrong? Are there things that are permissible and things that shouldn't be permitted? Things it's right to do and things it's not right to do. Well, what is that based on, though? What's it based on? He said, these are works of the flesh. He goes on to say, uncleanness, lasciviousness, we're not going to take the time to define, but idolatry, witchcraft, hatred, variance, emulations, wrath, strife. How many understand Going into a rage and pitching a fit is a work of the flesh. It's bad stuff. Seditions, heresies, envyings, murders, drunkenness, revelings, and such like. Can you see this is describing no restraint? You just do whatever your flesh wants to do. No restraint. Such like, which I tell you before, as I've told you in time past, they which do such things shall what? Not inherit. Exact same language that we read in 1 Corinthians. He didn't say that all be lost. Somebody says, well, uh, are are you saying it? You know, people that have done these things could wind up being saved. Have you done any of these things? (laughs) You better hope so. (laughs) Yeah, but that was was a long time ago. Yeah, but you still did it. And so you don't want to be a hypocrite looking at somebody else that's doing it right now. Doing what you did. Right? Years ago. And uh, God saved you. He can save them. Right? And... um, Like we've talked about in times past, it's not just what you do. It's what you do last. I said it's what you do last. It's not just where you start. It's where you end up, which is why we see in our text in 1 Corinthians 6, he named the list of all that stuff. And he said, and such were some of you. Were. Were. But you are washed. Hallelujah. You've been washed. You've been redeemed. You've been sanctified. Forgiven. Cleansed. The blood of the Lamb is more powerful than any of these things. These works of the flesh. If you'll make the choice to believe on Him and receive Him. But He says that same phrase. Such who do these things. And the implication is you just do it and keep on doing it. And never quit. And don't change. They won't inherit. They won't what? Inherit. The kingdom of God. Ephesians 5 says a very similar thing. This will be three times now. Ephesians 5 and 4. Ephesians 5, 4. He says neither filthiness. Or foolish talking. Or jesting which are not convenient. But giving of thanks. For this you know. That no whoremonger, nor unclean person, nor covetous man, 
who is an idolater hath what? Any inheritance in the kingdom of Christ and of God. There is coming, and it won't be that long, where the Lord's kingdom will be established and no other kingdoms will be above it or beside it. The kingdom of God which shall endure forever and ever and never cease. The kingdom of God. And it will be just as real as the kingdom of the U.S., the kingdom of any of the countries that you see now. And God requires a lot of people in a lot of positions to oversee and run his kingdom. And believers are right now being prepped and trained for that. And you hear a lot of people say, well, I don't know about all that. If I can just squeeze in the pearly gates, whew, I'll be okay. Well, there won't be no squeezing in. You're either saved or you're not. And you're not going to get to the pearly gate. And people, and this stuff has been taught and preached, you know. And, and Peter is there with the big scale. And we got to weigh your works, your good works and your bad works, and see how you came out. No, that's not happening. Nobody will be saved because of how good they have been. And nobody will be lost just because of how bad they were. Nobody. Nobody. Why? Because God paid the price. Jesus paid the price for all of that evil and that badness. People will be lost because they refuse to receive Jesus. They refuse to receive what he did for them. And the only way you'll be saved is because you have received what he has done on your behalf. What are you counting on to be saved? I've had people tell me numerous times, well, I, I hope when it gets that time, I hope I have been good enough. I can tell you right now, you have not been. No, sir, no, ma'am. If you could be good enough to be saved without Jesus... He wouldn't have had to come for everybody. Is that right? That's the reason he had to come. Because you came short. And I came short. And the very best we could do was not good enough. Not acceptable. I'm not counting on what I have done to be saved. Church, are y'all awake? Now, not only do you need to be crystal clear on this, this is something that there are times you may need to speak up with your relatives, with your neighbors, with your coworkers. When they start talking about, I actually, I was in a situation a couple of weeks ago and a, with a professional doing something with some flying stuff and they brought up about, you know, hoping they were good enough and I actually spoke up. I said, well, only Jesus can save us. None of us will ever be good enough to save ourselves. He just kind of stopped and looked at me. And we were in the place of business. And we were doing business. But this is more important business. Is that right? Now I didn't stand there and try to preach him a sermon. But I thought he needs to hear it. That trying to be a good man will never save him. 
If you're counting on that, you can die lost. Jesus said, if you don't believe I am he, I am the one, you will die in your sins. That's what Jesus said. Well, you got to believe he's the one. The one what? The one who paid the price for all your sins. He saved you. You did not save yourself. You could not save yourself. You needed a savior. Or else you're lost. Tell me, church, what are you counting on? I mean, if you stopped breathing right now and fell off in the floor dead, what are you expecting to happen? Come on, help me out. What? You going up or you going down? Which, which one? Which one? Up or down? Why are you going up? Help me out. Why? One reason. One reason only. Only one reason. Jesus. Jesus did it all. He bought. He paid for it. He overcame sin. He paid the price. He triumphed over death, hell, and the grave. He got the keys. He did it all for you. He did it all for me. That's why I'm not going to hell. That's it. My salvation. My righteousness is not based on me. It is not based on what I have or have not done. It's totally, completely based on what he did. And I just have believed it. I have received it. And I am trusting in it. That's why there is a line in the Lamb's Book of Life. There's a page and there's a line It's got my name on. My name. You got a line? You you got a line on the page? My my name. My name is on that line and that page in the last book of life. That means I'm going up. And it is only because of Jesus. Completely because of him. So our righteousness is not based on what we have or have not done. Our righteousness is based on what our righteousness is actually his righteousness. We just received it. We didn't earn it. We didn't merit it. We didn't attain to it. It's a free gift. Us being right with God Us being made holy, made clean, made righteous, we did not earn it. It was just given to us. And we, by the grace of God, had enough sense to say, yes, please. Yes, I will take that. I will receive that. Our righteousness is not based on our works. Our reward is based on what we do. Or don't do. Our reward is not the same thing. Can you see this now? Being saved and your reward is not the same thing. Now in Colossians, Colossians 1, verse 12, 
giving thanks to the Father which has made us meet to be partakers of the inheritance of the saints in light. He had to make us fit to be able to inherit. And 1 Corinthians 15 talks about corruption cannot inherit incorruption. And even our body will have to be changed for us to accept and take our place in the coming kingdom. The inheritance of the saints in light who delivered us from the power of darkness and has translated us into the kingdom. The kingdom is the dominion or the rule where the king reigns. It says, in whom we have redemption through his blood, even the forgiveness of sins. Now, skip over to chapter 3, Colossians 3, 23. It said, whatever you do, do it heartily as to the Lord and not unto men. Regardless of our situation, of what job you're working in, what area you find yourself in, you don't want to be lazy and you don't want to be sloppy. You want to do things as though the Lord sees it. Because he does. And you want to do things from your heart because if you do things in faith with a right heart listening to the Holy Spirit, do it in love, do it in faith, do it by the leading of the Spirit, there is reward for that. For all of that. He said whatever you do. Do it heartily. Or from the heart. As to the Lord and not to men. Knowing. That of the Lord you shall receive what? The reward. Of the inheritance. Because you serve. You don't just serve men. You serve the Lord Christ. So here the word reward. Is used together with. The word inheritance. The reward of the inheritance. Now go back to 1 Corinthians the third chapter please. I know I'm giving you a lot of scriptures but uh, I can't say it any better. (laughs) 1 Corinthians 3 verse 8. It says, now he that plants, now, and and let me remind you that our text that we begin reading is in 1 Corinthians 6. Well, this is just three chapters earlier. And all of this flows together. This wasn't written in chapter and verse. It was written one continuous letter. And this this ties in to what he got to in chapter 6. He that plants and he that waters are one. Every man shall receive what? Shall receive his own reward according to what? Not according to what Jesus did. According to what you did. Are we talking about being saved here? We're talking about you getting your own reward. No. No. Because our salvation, our righteousness, our being made accepted by God... It's not based on anything we did. Not based on our works. But our reward is based 
on what we did. Well, how else could it be fair? Heaven is not socialist or communist. (laughs) It is not everybody getting the same thing. No, it's not. Because that wouldn't be fair. There are many times where equal is not fair. What do you mean? Well, it's not fair if one person was willing to completely commit and obey and sacrifice for decades and accomplish the will of God and somebody else wouldn't get out of bed and go to church. Much less do anything for the Lord and then they get the same reward. Is that fair? Let me help you out. No. <laughs> no. Now the reason you got to say it is because we live in a confused world. That thinks everybody should get a trophy even if they didn't go to the game. <laughs> now you're laughing. But there's a bunch of this around. And if they're a Christian, they're going to get shocked. When they realize, no, the reward is not cookie cutter, everybody gets the same. No, not at all. He said, now now keep reading. Everybody is going to receive their own reward according to their own labor. For we are laborers Together with God. And you are God's husbandry. And you are God's building. Can you see? He was already talking about you being the house of God. Three chapters earlier here. Right? And he continued talking about it all the way through. Verse 10. According to the grace of God which is given to me as a wise master builder. I've laid the foundation. And another builds thereon. But let every man take heed how he builds thereon. Why? Because reward is not automatic. He goes on to say, For other foundation can no man lay than that is laid, which is Jesus Christ. If it's not built on him, it's not going to be anything worth anything. Verse 12 If any man build on this foundation gold, silver, precious stones, wood, hay, stubble, every man's work shall be made manifest, for the day shall declare it. What day? The day of the Lord. The day that's coming. We will all give an account of ourselves at the judgment seat of Christ, the Bible says. This is not to determine if you're saved or not. No. This is to determine what? What kind of reward you get and what kind of place you have in the kingdom of God going forward. Jesus gave parables that described the people being over five cities. Are people overseeing ten cities? This is real. This is the future. He said, uh, it'll, it'll be revealed by fire. The fire will try every man's work of what sort it is. 
Everybody's work is going to be judged and tested. Not them to see if they're saved or not. They are saved. But what's being judged? Their works. What they did. To determine what? To determine their reward, if any. Or to to determine their inheritance, their place in the kingdom going forward. Because he that's been faithful in that which is least. What do you say? You've been faithful in a little? I'm making you ruler over much? That's not about you being saved. Keep going. If any man's work abide which he hath built thereon, he'll receive a reward. If you work, pass the test. What test? Fire test. <laughs> well, what does that mean? Well, notice he mentions the elements of gold and silver, and he mentions wood, hay, and stubble. Now, gold can stand the fire. Stubble cannot. I mean, you put the gold in the furnace, no matter how hot it is, it'll still be gold. Is that right? On the other side. Even if it's molten, it'll still be gold. Still be there. But a super hot fire, you put the stubble in there, (laughs) nothing comes out the other side. It's gone. And what does these things describe? Our works. So there are works that people do that are, you know, people don't know it just looking at the outside, but if it wasn't by the direction of the Spirit, if it wasn't built on Jesus, if it wasn't done in love and faith, it'll have no permanence. Even if a lot of people knew about it, even if a lot of people were involved, if it was just a man-made idea, when the fire tested, poof. Yeah, but 500,000 people were involved in that. Poof. (laughs) Only that which is done, built on Jesus, by the direction of the Spirit, in real faith, in real love. Come on, can you see this? Those works are gold. Those works are precious metals and precious stones that will last. They'll last past this life, past all of this. If any man's work abide, which he hath built thereon, he'll receive a reward. That ought to stir us up. He'll receive a reward. Say it out loud. He'll receive a reward. Who will receive a reward? Well, it depends on what kind of work you do. Right? It's not automatic. It depends on whether your work was wood, hay, stubble, or precious metals, precious stones. Keep going. If any man's work shall be burned, he will suffer loss. But, here's what I wanted you to get to. I want you to be crystal clear on this. So, if you just did a bunch of stuff because you had an idea You didn't listen to the Lord. You just wanted to be seen. Motives wasn't right. Even if it was so-called Christian, 
Even if you built a church. It depends on. See, we don't see people's hearts. We don't know their inner motivations. We don't know what's driving them. But God does. And so you, you just, you cannot tell by looking at stuff on the outside what's really God and what's not. How much of it's God and it's not for me to judge it. I'm not to judge. You're not to judge. I got a full time job doing my job. And you do too if you just do it. Do you know it? Taking care of your business because soon and very soon we're going to be out of here. If any man's work is burned up, he'll lose that. Maybe he thought he had something, but then he'll realize, you know, wasn't anything to it. Does that mean he's lost? No, No, this is not about saved and lost. But he himself shall be saved. Can you see that? His works didn't pass the, the test. His works were consumed and burned up, went up in smoke. But he's still saved, yet so as by fire. And look, look at the very next verse, he says, verse 16. Don't you know? You're the temple of God. And the Spirit of God dwells in you. Oh, somebody say Hallelujah. Praise God, praise God, praise God. So when you see things that say they won't inherit or they won't have reward, do not equate that and say, well, that means they're lost. That's not what he said. Here's an obvious example of somebody that actually did a bunch of stuff and it was all consumed and didn't pass the test. That didn't mean they were lost. They're saved. Hallelujah. The question was, were they ever born again? Did they ever receive the Lord? Well, if they did, and they were, it's not likely that they rejected him later on. Now, you can. You still got a free will. But most people don't. Even if they go off the rails and do crazy, stupid stuff, they will, be, they will lose reward they could have had. They'll lose reward they should have had. But thank God, they'll still be saved. Hallelujah. They'll still be saved. They they won't go to hell. They will be with the Lord. Is that worth coming to church and talking about? That's, That's big. That's big. Thank God for his mercy. And it is certainly not for you or me to judge anybody else. And you got to watch about, you know, preaching doom and judgment. I'm convinced one of the big surprises when you get to heaven is who's there (laughs) and who's not there. Because uh, your works can't get you in. Huh? Only your faith in Jesus. and, And that's a heart thing. And God knows the heart. We, we just see on the outward, but God looks at the heart. Uh, we ought to just say it right now. Thank you, Lord, Thank you, Lord. For, your for your mercy. Thank you for salvation. Thank you for salvation. Even, when Even when works are lost and reward is forfeited, that people are still saved. Are still saved. Thank you. Thank you.
thank you. We ought to stand up and thank. Stand up and lift up your hands. That, that can mean some people you thought might not be saved actually are. Actually will be. Lift up your hands. Say thank you Lord. Thank you Lord. Come on just lift your voice. Thank you Lord. Thank you for your mercy. Thank you for your kindnesses. Thank you for your grace. Oh, thank you. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Hallelujah. You know, Phyllis preached on this not long ago about no, no throwaways. Is that right? It's not for us to write anybody off. And no matter how depraved they may be acting or how what idiotic things are coming out of their mouth as long as there's breath there's hope is that right God's on the throne there's still time there's still opportunity for people who are not saved to get saved and for people who are backslid to come to their senses like the prodigal son he had to get really low but then he said he came to himself And he said, I'm going back to Father's house. I believe we should pray a prayer right now for people, our relatives, our people in in extended family and close family and co-workers and that kind of thing, asking God to send laborers across their path and asking for mercy for them for repentance. Repentance is a gift. In 2 Timothy, I'll read this to you, then we'll pray. In 2 Timothy... He said that we are to avoid foolish questions and, and arguing, verse 23, because verse 24, 2 Timothy 2:24, the servant of the Lord must not strive, but be gentle unto all, apt to teach, patient. It's not our place to judge anybody or condemn anybody. Say, say it out loud. I'm not the judge. God is the judge. One of the big reasons you're not to judge is you are completely unqualified. What do you mean? You do not know their heart. Don't say you do what I know them. No, you do not know the inside of them. Their heart. You don't know what they really see and know and what they don't. You don't know that. Which is why you and I are not qualified to be the judge. But he said. In meekness, instruct those that oppose themselves. If God peradventure would give them repentance to the acknowledging of the truth, that they may recover themselves out of the snare or trap of the devil who are taken captive by him at his will. This is a prayer you can pray with all confidence. You know it's the will of God to answer this prayer. And so if there are specific people that you have on your mind, you can call their name under your breath. And just right now, everybody close your eyes, focus on the Lord, release faith in this. Say it out loud, Father God, I am so thankful that you have saved me and that I know my name is in the Lamb's book of life, not because of what I've done. But all because of what Jesus has done for me. And I know from your word, it is not your will that any would perish, but that all should come 
to repentance and to the acknowledging of the truth. All of my relatives and friends and co-workers, old high school buddies, college buddies, any of these that are not saved, I ask for mercy, Lord. Sin laborers across their path. Enlighten the eyes of their heart and their mind and their understanding. Help them to realize their lost condition without you. Reveal to them the one and only Savior, Jesus, the Christ. The Redeemer, the Son of God, reveal yourself to them. Send labors across their path. I ask in Jesus' name. I break the power of darkness and blindness and blindness from off of their minds. I say, be loosed from confusion and darkness. In Jesus, name, In Jesus' name. And see the light. And see the light. Hallelujah. 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 See the light. Oh, glory to God. Glory to God. And continue, sit out loud. And Lord, for, for every friend, every family member, every co worker, Everyone around me and in my life that have known you, but they got away from you. You didn't forsake them. They forsook you. You didn't leave them. You didn't abandon them. They left you. But you're a merciful God. Great Father. We pray, Lord, enlighten their eyes and their heart and instruct them in the ways of truth and right and good and grant them repentance, the gift of repentance to the acknowledging of the truth. Help them to see what are lies and what is truth. What is you and what is not you. What is right and what is not right. What is good and what is bad. Cause them to see it. Enable them to see it. Wake them up. Give them a dream or a visitation or open their ears to someone they will listen to. Cause it to make sense to them and help them to understand it and give them repentance that they may acknowledge the truth, admit the truth, confess the truth. And that they may be recovered out of the trap 
the devil set for them. That they may be loosed from the darkness and bondages of the evil one. And that they may be free. Free to come back to you. That they may be restored to fullness of fellowship with you and your people. That they may be restored to their place by your mercy. We ask it in Jesus' name. This ministry has been brought to you today free of charge by the partners of More Life Ministries and Faith Life Church. If you would like to help send this word to others at no charge, you can become a word sender today. For more information, visit our website at morelife.org.